0: Hello, and welcome back to the White Pube Podcast. It is Sunday, the 3rd of December, 2023. I'm ZM, and I've got a text for you, and it is fast and loose. Um, I don't know how long you've been here, like how long you've been on this White Pube gravy train, reading and listening, um, as casually or as dedicatedly as you want. But um, if you've been around since, I don't know, the 10s, like 2015, the, you know, that kind of era, 2015 to 2019, that like first three four years um if you've been around since then then you'll know that our writing style has changed a bit over the years we've got a bit more invested in the craft of writing because the early texts were very much like the words would come out in a rush to kind of like we had something to say and the most important thing was saying the thing rather than thinking about how we said the thing like the container of the text itself like the form and the you know, that whole shebang. That wasn't important and in the early days. We just wanted to get things said. Um, and, yeah, as the years have gone on, we've kind of polished our craft a bit and thought about the container and the form, and things have become a bit more laboured and intensive, and they've gone through a process of conditioning where they become fit for public view. Um, but... And, as, you know, as much as I enjoy the craft of writing, um, I don't know, sometimes I find myself missing that, like, that early, intense, heat-of-the-moment feeling where you're like, i just got something to say. Um, and I think maybe some of that is because I haven't seen, you know... When you're, in, when you're writing about art for the first time, for me at least, like, writing those early reviews, everything felt new. Like, I hadn't said it before, or I hadn't said it before in, like... in in like the formal container of a text so like I could kind of like rush these words out in the heat of the moment and still have them feel like exciting but you know as the years go on it kind of you know you can only say the same thing a couple times before you start to feel like a broken record and I I don't know as I got older and more mature I felt more excited by yeah the vehicle of these texts than the actual content, or not, you know, the vehicle became as important as the content, um, I started to care more about the way that they were presented, um, and I think that's fine, craft is like its own thing, but I, I'm saying all of that to say that this text is very much like I've experienced something new, and the words are coming out in the heat at the moment, intense, with no consideration for how they're packaged, because I'm more interested in the actual thinking, and the thoughts, and the ideas that popped into my head when I interacted with this element of brand new culture i've never experienced before so that's very exciting (laughs) because i haven't done that in a long time and it felt really nice to have that new kind of flash of something that's like yeah never done never experienced or thought this before um yeah that's this text um it is a review of Rigoletto at the Royal Opera House. I'm just going to get straight into it because everything that needs to be explained is explained in the text. Okay. Have you ever been to the opera? I hadn't until a couple of weeks ago. Before that, opera was this weird cultural object I had no reference for. It was abstract, theoretical. I had no idea what it actually meant or felt like from the inside. But if I have a curiosity, it is my professional purpose to go out and satisfy it. This is my favourite bit about being a critic. I emailed the good people at the Royal Opera House and to my genuine surprise, their press team answered. They were happy to arrange very nice tickets for me to go and see Rigoletto. So thank you to them for that really generous favour because this felt like a once in a lifetime experience. And in satisfying my curiosity, I've been rewarded by a gratifying answer. The opera is dramatic raw and energetic and unstable. It is the kind of tightly packed fever dream I am constantly searching for out in the world of culture. Thursday night. It is dark and it is cold and it is raining. I am wearing a fake fur coat I bought from a kilo sale when I was 16. My boyfriend is wearing freshly polished boots. We've just been to McDonald's and we are LMAO, Lamau, I don't know how you say that out loud, <laughs> still. Um, and we are now hurrying over cobblestones towards the warm lighting of the Royal Opera House. The carpets are red and the chandeliers are enormous. Everything looks like it's part of a period drama backdrop. We take our seats and look up at the enormous gold ceiling. I cannot believe there is this much empty space between our heads and that ceiling. I can't believe that a room this big and sumptuous actually exists in London. I feel like a medieval peasant. I swear to God, I actually do. The curtain comes up and the performers are frozen in a still-life tableau. The orchestra holds the tension. For a while, no one moves. I sit in my seat thinking about how it is insane that there's a whole orchestra tucked neatly out of sight under that stage. From my seat in the stalls, I can just about see the back of the conductor's head, his hands waving, keeping time. There are real instruments, real people with years, decades of expertise. All of that tucked under the stage outside. And the instruments are filling the space in a way that feels genuinely hefty. Like the sound has got body or a kind of weight that spreads out into the cavernous theater above and around me. It's the difference between speaking to someone on the phone and speaking to them face to face in real life with real instruments. Everything feels larger, like it's in bold. Then the tableau breaks and life bursts out and everyone is animated and the tension is now actually energy and noise because people are bustling and finding their places on stage. The performers sing in Italian and at the top of the stage there are English subtitles. The Duke of Mantua is a handsome man in a cape and tight trousers. His court is host to a group of simpering and morally bereft courtiers, the courtiers Love a fucking raucous party and the Duke of Mantua is also a massive fuckboy. He loves seducing beautiful women, especially the wives of his courtiers. One night, the party gets away from them and they're responsible for the ruin of an innocent girl. Her father bursts into court, ready to hold them all to to account with his fists and the courtiers tie him to a chair and then they kill him. They plunge in the knife. He's covered in blood. Rigoletto is the Duke's court jester. At the party, he's a kind of witness rather than a participant. He watches on, mocking the father and his inability to defend his daughter's honour. Before he dies, the father curses Rigoletto. After the heat of the murder, the courtiers snicker at Rigoletto. He has a lover. Isn't that funny? Rigoletto, the court jester, a lover. They follow him out of the castle in the dead of night. They think he's going to visit his lover. They see him meeting a beautiful woman. They see him embrace her. But this beautiful woman, Gilda, is not Rigoletto's lover. She's his daughter! Gilda returns to her room and reveals that she has fallen in love with a mysterious man that follows her home from church every Sunday. Turns out, small world, it, it's the Duke of Mantua. The courtiers kidnap Gilda. They blindfold Rigoletto and they make him hold a lazar. He unwittingly helps them kidnap his own daughter. They take Gilda to the Duke, and Rigoletto is left to curse the crowd of disgusting courtiers. First he tries to reason with them, bargain, plead, anything to get his daughter back, but he is the jester. They cannot help but snicker at his distress. So he curses them, these evil courtiers, accursed courtiers. He is only the court jester, and they have never even seen, they they haven't ever seen him cry. Rigoletto's tears are alien to them, such a novelty. This is now officially a tragedy. The Duke has his wicked way with Gilda and then returns her to Rigoletto, who swears his vengeance. To cut a long story short, Rigoletto hires an assassin. Gilda dresses up as our man and is meant to flee to Verona. Instead, she goes to the brothel where the Duke is flirting with the assassin's sister. Gilda offers herself a sacrifice and dies for the Duke, even though he's now actually seducing other women right in front of her. Rigoletto comes to collect the duke's body and is handed a body in a sack. He takes the sack down to the river. Before he throws it in, he hears the duke singing in the distance, definitely alive. He opens the sack to discover the dead body is actually his beloved daughter Gilda. Gilda momentarily resurrects to say that she's absolutely okay with this act of martyrdom for her beloved. Then she actually properly dies and Rigoletto sings out in pain about the dead father's curse. The end. I think this was an interesting opera to see. I've been thinking about the figure of the court jester for a good year. Did you know Shakespeare loved his fools? They were useful theatrical devices to break the tension with slapstick sharpness, to drive the narrative forward with their pointed naivety, to stand outside the circle of the actual drama and see everything, speak truth to power, turn to the audience and break the fourth wall. They are like the trickster, the fool, Someone outside the boundaries of dignified society can then move through that society with a kind of ease and speed. They can cross over the liminal threshold, bring knowledge, speak truth without punishment, hold otherworldly power. I am very interested in the figure of the jester. I was googling this on the way home. Rigoletto was composed by Giuseppe Verdi in 1850, but it was written by a librettist called Francesco Maria Piave. Piave based the libretto on a play by Victor Hugo called, I'm about to butcher, butcher the French pronunciation here, sorry, Le roi s'amuse. Le Roy s'amuse, I don't know. The king amuses himself. The plot is basically entirely the same. Rigoletto's court jester is instead an actual historical court jester called Triboulet in the court of King Louis XII. Victor Hugo, the man who wrote Les Miserables, obviously uses Tribolet to voice criticisms of society. The jester, the the trickster, the fool, the critic. I am interested in this ability to speak frankly, without retribution, to move through and beyond boundaries of dignified society. I think Rigoletto is a tragic operatic figure, yes. I think he is also a metaphor the oppressed and their relationship with power the courtiers the ruling class the royal the noble the European the civilised the cookie-cutter default man I'm interested in Rigoletto in the same way I'm interested in Caliban the shadow dark subaltern rising tide but all of that only occurred to me after as the singing took place I wasn't thinking much about anything at all I think the whole deal with opera is The plot is kind of not the point, really. Or not the entire point. The dialogue is a vehicle for sound. Each line is repeated over and over in different ways until the meaning dissolves and the words aren't important. The feeling that starts as word is transmitted out in sound. The word's just a way to access an emotion, a feeling, a meaning. Their purest form is in the sound itself. The shape that sound makes in the space around us, or within, as the space weight closes in on us, is sound. The people on stage are making crazy sounds with their faces and their throats and their chests. They are so sad, they lament, and this sadness comes out of their stomachs. Nervousness comes from the nose, exits the body via the mouth. Happiness exists in the head, but if it's powerful enough, it transmits through a performer's entire body. The assassin is sent out on a dark and rainy night, and it takes me a moment to notice, but I think, is that? The chorus are humming and buzzing like bees. They're using the collective body of their voices to make the sound of thunder. Rigoletto and Gilda embrace in a quiet, dark street, happy to be reunited and full of love for each other. They sing two completely different lines with two completely different rhythms and melodies, Somehow this isn't noise. It never descends into an incomprehensible abstract. It always fits, two lines moving apart and together in perfect understanding. If they interrupt, it only becomes a kind of rhythm to punctuate the understanding. It leaves me dazzled, like when you look away from a bright light and you can see the imprint of it behind your eyelids, ringed in blue and green. It's energetic, emotional, It's so beautiful, I could cry. Opera as an art form might be abstract or theoretical to me, but sound most definitely is not. It is real and in front of me. It has meaty, solid weight in the space and it is also leaking into my body. We are swept out of the opera house by the crowd. Covent Garden is noisy. The tube is noisier, but I can't hear the people. I can't hear the train screeching through the tunnel. I can still hear the voices and the singing. I can hear the thunder, the lament, a father and a daughter singing two different lines, different tunes and rhythms, like two little birds who understand each other. That's it, that's the review. I'm just going to read the end note and say that Rigoletto was on at the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden. Unfortunately, it closed on the 28th of November, so I'm a bit late in my review. Apologies. I should have published this last week, but long-term projects got away from us, but um, there are other operas on if you also want to satisfy your curiosity. I know that the tickets are expensive, but when I posted this on Instagram, either the White People Instagram or my personal Instagram story, I'm not sure which, a couple friends DM'd to say that if you click around, you can, like on the dates and ticket prices, you can find some pretty affordable tickets up in the like, in the gods, like, in the ceiling. And I will say that it kind of... Having a look at the stage and, like, having a good view of the stage didn't really matter. Like, I could see the stage, absolutely. I wasn't that interested. Like, they didn't do much, you know? There wasn't, like, much going on on stage. It wasn't the visual that was important. It was the, it was the audio, you <laughs> know? The sound itself, like, the sonic. Um, that was important. Um, So... I reckon, you know, if you can find some cheap tickets, that like, don't be put off by the fact that they've got, like, an obstructed view. You can get some affordable-ish ones. And, yeah, I really... I If you haven't been to the opera and you can find some cheap tickets, oh, my God, go. Like, it's so good. I'm like an opera convert now. I'm like, oh, my God, everyone should go to the opera. Um, But, yeah, if you want to satisfy your curiosity, I've linked a couple of other, like, the tickets and events on at the Royal Opera House because... That's just nice, that's generous. You can also apparently watch a 2021 production of the Royal Opera Houses, of Rigoletto on the Royal Opera Houses website. Um, They've got like a little internal streaming thing. Um, Thank you again to the Royal Opera Houses press team. This was such a generous gesture. I'm so thankful because yeah, like I said at the beginning, felt like a once in a lifetime experience. This is the kind of culture that is financially inaccessible for so many people, literally all people, actually, like, everyone, (laughs) like, like, this is, yeah, financially inaccessible for so many people, so I do want to acknowledge that I was insanely lucky, and I'm really thankful for that luck, Um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling that luck, like, it's not lost on me, if I was Prime Minister, God forbid, we'd all get a ticket to the opera once in our lives, it'd be like jury duty, but better, and I'm like, half joking, because I do think, I'm half joking, because I think definitely that all culture should be free. <laughs> we should all just be able to go to the opera for free. And I think that should be normal. But it's not, in an ideal world, it would be. I wish it was. Oh, my God, I wish it was. If I was in charge, all culture would be free. <laughs> like, it'd just be funded by the government. And it's not, like, it should just be subsidised. It's not. But, yeah, like I said, you can you can find some workarounds. There are tickets up in the ceiling that you can... Click around and have a look at if you really want to get it. And obviously the, the Royal Opera House isn't the only opera to exist. There are other operas across the country, like other opera companies across the country where you can see opera perhaps more affordably. Um, I just, yeah, I really recommend it. I think as, yeah, as I said in the text, it's a kind of cultural experience that like feels like that tightly packed fever dream that I'm always looking for in galleries, like, I'm looking for something that turns my body inside out, and maybe it's just because it was new, and it was, like, such a, like, you know, an immediate experience, I felt so dazzled by it, like, it was, like, this was so cool, (laughs) these people are so invested, these performers, they're so invested in their art, and their craft, and they, you know, they train, and they study for years, and you're, like, seeing them, like, perform, and it's like, oh my god, you're incredible, you're incredible, (laughs) you're, like, these artists I think it's just mad yeah yeah (laughs) I was so dazzled by it um it was really cool and I'm so glad I got to you know writing these reviews is how I process my thoughts and where those thoughts go to die so I'm really glad for criticism as a thing that I'm able to save these thoughts and experiences in like as a mechanism a container for me to put these thoughts and mechanisms in uh, thoughts and you know feelings in for these experiences, whatever, oh my god, these words are now getting away from me, it's like Sunday morning, okay, fine, I'm babbling, I'm gonna wrap this up, ah, wait, I remembered as my emoji, please can you, um, leave on the little Instagram or on the Twitter, the post that announces this text, please can you give me, like, You know that little dramatic art, the two dramatic art masks, those faces, the sad one and the happy one. Please, can you give me that one? I think that's operatic, isn't it? Is it just theatrical? I'm not sure. I know very little about theatre as a form. Like I'm really undereducated on the theatrical. Um, I'm not a theatre critic. Like I'm very much an art critic, but um, yeah. Could you give me that emoji? that'd be nice thank you um all right have a good rest of your weekend not much left of it but enjoy your sunday and i will catch you next time whether that's this side of the new year or next side you know in 2024 i love you i hope you've had an amazing year um, I'm just hedging my bets in case I don't see you again this year. So, like, you know, goodbye. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope you've had an amazing year. I hope you have a good Christmas. I hope you have a little rest. I hope you are warm and safe and comfortable and happy and that you're eating little mince pies and, you know, having a lovely time with the people you love. I hope you look back on 2023 and think that there have been some nice moments, happy times with people you love as well. And that you go into 2024 feeling like a brand new person, ready for the year, etc. Love you. Goodbye. Thanks.